Hello and welcome to the Wagtails podcast. My name is Megan Corcoran and I'm the director of the Wagtail Institute. In this podcast, I invite some pretty cool people to come and have a conversation with me on all things trauma, healing, education and well-being. I started this podcast as I realised some of the biggest learning that has happened in my career has been through meeting really great people that are working in the field and having great conversations with them. In this episode, I'm joined by a special guest and another great friend of mine, Shane Hood. Shane shares some amazing vulnerability in this episode. We dive into his lived experience of trauma, what it means for him as a youth worker, a practitioner, and now someone who leads his own business in this space. And Shane's also a bit of a superstar on LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, you've probably seen him. He's kind of famous on there. Anyway, let's jump into the episode. All right, welcome to the second episode of The Wagtails. Um, I'm super excited. I have a very good friend um, and special guest here today, Shane Hood. Welcome. Hey, how are you, Megs? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I really appreciate you inviting me onto your podcast, and it's really cool that you're doing a podcast. How cool is that? <laughs> Thank you so much for awesome. being here. Yeah. Um, I actually realized that I think you might be one of my first ever Melbourne friends. Really? I was thinking about when we met, yeah. and it would be like 13 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is... Wow. And I don't even know if this is when we first met, but I've like got a vague memory of us first talking properly at our friend's gig. So it was Motley's gig. Oh, yeah. Um, and we both had our cameras around our neck. <laughs> and then we finally got into this like chat and we like got to know each other a little bit more that night, um, which is hilarious because like um, we both know Motley pretty well. Yeah, we would have chatted yeah, yeah. anyway, but I think it was the cameras that led us to talk to each other. Yeah, right. Do you um, remember what gig it was, where it was? I think it was at the laundry. <laughs> laundry, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember connecting with you over cameras originally because I think you, I think you had a better camera than me originally. And I was like, oh, that's a sick camera. And I was like, I want to get a really good camera. I'm pretty sure it would have been, yeah, 13 years ago, I reckon. I think of my timeline of cameras I've owned. <laughs> but I think I remember that. You had like a Canon Mark II. I did. Yeah. I did. Like a, uh, yeah. Which is hilarious because yeah. I, um, yeah, I've drifted away from my photography world. Mm. But um, yeah, the reason you're here today, we have actually so much in common aside mm. from cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess like this podcast is all about anything to do with trauma, yeah. healing, education and well-being. Um, and we've kind of known each other, yeah, firstly from the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, we both work in the same spaces, but have never actually worked together in the same like business or That's company. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It is like we've yeah. always kind of crossed over or like yeah. known the same clients, mm. but we've never mm. worked at the same place at the same time. Mm. Um, and we have a, both have a love of boxing. So yes. I'm kind of curious to see how much we mentioned that <laughs> through I this know, podcast. I, you know, I'm, I thought of that and I'm like, is this could become a boxing podcast careful <laughs> maybe um, that can be an activity for anyone listening at home is just count how many times the word boxing gets mentioned yeah. <laughs> like we don't have a rule about like not mentioning it but let's just see how many times it comes up definitely it'll come up there's no doubt about it um but yeah shane i'd love to just like for everyone to kind of get an understanding of who shane hood is right now so how would you describe yourself right now Ooh, um that's a loaded question um i'm a person who walks the earth um, I, uh, I'm a father of two beautiful boys and husband, a beautiful wife. Um, 
Uh, I, don't, I don't know a few things. I don't know. This is a hard one. It's um, a big one. Yeah, I think because we you generally jump to what you do for a living, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like that there's a little bit more um, than than just that. Although it's a massive piece of my life, um, I feel like I'm just uh, um, a student, a student of the game. You know, like I just try to, I just want to learn, learn a lot about life, people. Um, I think it's an obsession, to be honest, just to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so I'm constantly in deep conversations with people. So all my friends, I think my friends are giving me shit about it the other day. They're just like, fuck, we never just get a light combo. <laughs> like it's always like ridiculously deep. Um, but I'm not like a massive fan of small talk. So, um, yeah, and I guess probably going to um, what I do for a living, which is a massive part of my life. Um, I'm a consultant, uh, workforce trainer, um, and that leads me into a range of different spaces all the time. I guess training's like pretty, pretty, um, you know, pretty targeted, but consultancy sort of leads me in. A range of different spaces all the time in youth work, social work, and community work. Um, I focus a lot on uh, self determination, uh, building self determination in people that experience significant disadvantage. So, any kind of disadvantage, but probably more significant, the spaces that I work in. Um, and I'm a lived experience practitioner as well. So, I think that that's probably a massive part of my work um, as to what inspires me to do what I do um, and why I'm so passionate about building self-determination because I think it's kind of the, the way out um, even though it looks different for everyone. Mm. So I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't covered it. I, I take photos as well, so I do a little bit of that as well. Definitely so, have a better camera than yeah, me these yeah, days. I've got a decent camera now. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably pastime, like very creative person. So um, I love sort of diving into photography and film work and doing all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. You managed to talk about yourself and you didn't actually mention boxing. I didn't mention boxing. Like, yeah, I box a bit. I don't know if I call myself a boxer. You're fighting. So you're like more of a boxer than me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worn out boxer. Oh, I'm, I'm retired <laughs> too. It's yeah. okay. Oh, <laughs> One yeah. and done. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, but yeah, do a lot of boxing on the side is probably a big part of um, my self-work is um, boxing. I find that, uh, you know, my mindfulness mm. is probably one of my strongest mindfulness um, things that I do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow, so much there. I'm trying to think where we should go first. I really am curious about the self-determination piece. Yeah. Um, I kind of almost have this memory of you first sort of like, finding that as your thing and like really resonating with self-determination theory yes. in your work. I'm yep. just wondering why that grabbed you so much and why that sort of has become like a really cornerstone of what you do. Yeah. So um, I came up as a, as a youth worker in um, working in advantage thinking frameworks and youth foyers um, and then across out of home care sector and justice sector. And um, there was a, a lot around us, I guess, um, uh, I guess advantage thinking is like a really strengths-based theory, um, super practical, all that kind of stuff. But I always just found it great theory, really good to lead practice, but I always thought, why, how do we do it? Like, what are the things that are, um, 
um, that uh, that really sort of drive us, like to build, build that motivation. And I always was like, what is that thing? And I started to explore it in coaching and I was really, you know, did a deep dive into coaching and sort of some of the more real talk practices. And I just couldn't, I felt like I just wanted something that was just, that sat behind it. And, um, and it was actually a mutual friend of ours, Paul from, uh, is it oh, Cliff Top? Cliff Top, yeah. Cliff Top. Uh, yeah. Clifftop Wellbeing. Yep. Correct. Yeah, so a mutual friend of ours, um, you introduced him to, to me, <laughs> and then we were just having this conversation. And then um, Paul, great guy, you should check out his work. He's incredible. Um, a wise person. We were talking about wise people before mm. earlier. Um, mm-hmm. He's a very wise person. So shout out to Paul. Um, we were having this conversation, and he was like, yeah, you know what? It sounds like your work's a lot like this theory of self-determination and he exposed me to self-determination theory and I was like, Paul, it's like the stars are aligned. Like, so he, he introduced me to it and then um, uh, I got this, all of these books on self-determination, super thick academic text. <laughs> it was really tricky to read but I, but I got, got through it and... Yeah. Um, started to learn more and more and it's, it's like quite prevalent in the education system yeah and I really wanted to uh, build it into into our work and I think the reason why it spoke to me is it, it revolves around three things mm. and um, the first being um, a sense of, of autonomy and choice so um, it, sorry to take it back one step the things that build intrinsic motivation are having a sense of autonomy and choice, but not just having it, but understanding it and being self-empowered by that. So yep. not just having choice because just giving someone choice can be, you know, not so... Not very empowering. Yeah, not feeling empowering. Yeah. Um, so being empowered by choice, having a sense of connection mm. uh, and relatedness to uh, each other yep. and what we're doing. So, and what we're doing, so really important part. And then uh, a sense of competence that you feel like you're getting ahead by doing it. And I always thought they're the only things that drove me. They're the only things that I've ever seen young people out of justice systems. It's almost like when they, it's like those three things are the things that aligned when they move towards something else other than crime or, 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 you know, really tough situations. And I always thought... I thought that these are the things that um, should be largely explored in the sector um, and haven't really looked back, really. And I think I apply a lot in my own life. Mm. Um, I think it's really important to sort of live it. Yeah. Um, so um, I challenge myself to, to, to explore those things with my own intrinsic motivation. Um, and I guess it leads nearly all of my work yeah, so um, a huge a huge part of my work is it sits in those those three areas yeah yeah incredible um huge fan of self-determination theory as well so cool. it's awesome. it's very fitting for the young people yeah. um that are experiencing hardship or are mm-hmm. in these spaces mm-hmm. as well so mm-hmm. really glad to see that that's where you've led things yeah great yeah um so i'm kind of curious about your journey into youth work at the start mm-hmm. as well have you always been a youth worker um yeah how did that journey sort of occur for you and why um yeah it's a it is a journey is a good way of putting it um so uh as a young person uh i experienced um 
my own hardships. So um, I came from a home that was extremely violent. Um, my whole community was, you know, violent criminality, um, friends coming in and out of the prison system. Um, and when I say friends, it was like very close people. Um, so it was kind of all we knew and just um, getting wrapped up in gangs as a kid and uh, searching for belonging and searching for um, for something. I don't, you know, I think mm. I'm thinking, if I'm going to be really honest, I feel like as uh, protection as a vulnerable kid. Um, I always just sort of found that um, the conversations that I was having with friends were just around, um, I don't know, there was a, a lot of hopelessness, like this this whole idea of hopelessness is, well, we're not going to do anything, we're not going to do anything, we're not going to get anywhere. But we united over this beautiful thing called hip-hop. And like, <laughs> you know, and one of the things that um, the hip-hop artists, or a lot of hip-hop artists talked about was coming out of the hood, like getting out of the struggle, you know, making something of yourself. And it sort of gave this in, um, sense of hope. And I saw that in people, you know, as much as you saw the hopelessness, it's like this thing, like just put this hope in, in people that they maybe could become somebody or be somebody. Now, people can look at that however they want, like hip-hop being gangster rap or being negative or whatever. But for us, it was like it, there was a hope, hopeful side of it. But I constantly saw my friends going in and out of the prison system. I constantly was, um, you know, burying friends, like friends passing away. Mm. Um, constantly saw this happening all the time. And um, and I just wanted out. Like, I, I just needed to get out, you know. And I ended up um, working a whole bunch of, you know, pretty... I say dead end jobs, but like when you got a job, it was like you were fucking rich when we were kids. Like mm. I remember my friend got, he was the first one to get a job out of all of us, and we're like, fuck, he's made it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like and we, were, we were all like just broke. Um, but um, I, seeing that, and then I, I went on pathways into, you know, from these dead end jobs, and I ended up studying and landing in the music industry and. Um, you know, gaining, you know, moderate success in the music industry, but I kept going back to my area and still seeing this mm. devastation. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, and I'd go to friends' parties and they'd be like, oh, Shane, you know, he's made it big time, you know, he's done this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but fuck, you're, you're good too, though. Like, like we're, we're all good here. Like, don't look at me like that. That's not cool, whatever. And, um, just saw this devastation and I couldn't ignore it, mm. you know, and I think that, um, you know, my pathway into youth work probably started there and um, I ended up teaching in, um, in music and um, I landed in a space in Broadmeadows um, teaching young people in, the, in an Indigenous education centre as a, as a non-Indigenous fellow, non-Aboriginal fellow and... Um, uh, working with a lot of the um, young people in those areas, young people, you know, getting mixed up in stuff in those areas. And then I was um, poached to work at the youth foyer in Broadmeadow. So I kind of had this weird way of getting into youth work without all the study and without all of this stuff. And um, just sort of, I guess, runs on the board working with people and, you know, um, building relationships and yep. 
and that was my way into youth work, I guess, mm. you know. Um, yeah. And I still think about that a lot. I still think about the people that I grew up with mm. a lot. It leads a lot of my work to this day um, because there is a crew of us that did get out and, you know, and I'm very proud of that, yeah, that for group sure. of people that, that did get out. Um, but a lot of us didn't. Um, and I think that it could have been another way. Mm, absolutely. You know, um, I'm kind yeah. of curious as young people that were going through hardship like that, did you have youth workers around? Like any of your friends? Did you, <laughs> did, did you ever have, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, like they'd come to, like I, I had a couple of interactions with youth workers. Um, some, I had an interaction with a youth worker through a police uh, because we, our house was super violent. So sometimes I'd end up at police stations, like they'd be, police would take us out of the house and interviewed and things like that. Well, that was pretty rare because it was actually usually like, oh, brush it off, bro, go to the hotel. They'd say to the um, person using violence in my house. But um, yeah, at the stations probably a lot. Mm. So they'd come up to the stations, but they were very, and you know, no shoot down to this, but they were quite, quite religious. Mm-hmm. So they were generally like, had that angle of like, you know, turning to God and, you know, things like that. I, I don't think it was very successful in our area, though, because there was like, um, you know, you'd get youth workers come down to the station and, um, and um, you know, I, I remember one youth worker coming up to me and saying, saying, oh, you know, talking about joining some program or whatever. And I, I said to him, see that, see that dude sitting over there? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, he wants you to leave. They're like, oh, why? And I'm like, because while you're standing here, um, because at the station there was the gangs and then there was a lot of heroin at the station, I'm like, because while you're standing here, this drug trade can't go down, so you need to leave right now <laughs> because something's going to happen to you. I remember that that was the environment yeah. that we were in a lot, that it was like it was pretty hard to reach. Mm. Um, and any conversation... Uh, I remember being a young person, I'd just tell them what they wanted to hear sometimes and I just wouldn't. Oh, we got this program. Oh, when is it, bro? Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, cool, bro. I'll be there. What time? 12. And I'm thinking in my head, there's no chance I'm going to that. Yeah. That thing. Um, That was probably the... I think it's a lot more prevalent now and a yeah. lot more advanced. And yeah, there's again, a lot more money in the space that's now. Right. And yeah. yeah. So, and I think those people were well-meaning that did come down. Of course. Um, there were some agendas attached, but whatever, they yeah, were well-meaning. Yeah. Maybe not as socially intelligent as they could have been. Yeah, no, it was pretty obvious what was going down at the station. It wasn't... Um, <laughs> if you went down Ringwood Station in the 90s, it was a heavy drug trade. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty in your face. Like, it wasn't... Nobody was hiding anything. Yeah. The reason I asked that question, I was sort of curious to see whether you'd seen like good youth work modelling or sometimes the opposite. Sometimes young people have like terrible modelling of a profession that they then grow up and go, I'm going to do that because I can do that so much better than those people did it. Yeah, I don't know if I saw it good. I think I saw it good with a couple of my friends, maybe. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I think I saw it good from a teenager's eyes. Like, like I remember my friend, um, who was that? cookie i think i think just uh, i've got a house a, um, a public housing house and we're like that's sick she's like <laughs> 16 years old and we're all over at the house and i remember that being really awesome yeah um and uh yeah but i 
But I think that was just getting a house. I don't know if that was particularly good youth work. Yeah, but I, I never really yeah. saw that. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it happened. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in different parts. But we were so wrapped up in our shit, I guess. It was just yeah. like, it was so foreign yeah. to us. Um, I think maybe some of the younger fellas or whatever that maybe hung around, maybe probably had a little bit more connection, listened a little bit more, but we were a little bit untouchable in that space I think like yeah, as in yeah. that's the way we held ourselves I yeah, guess of course. like the yeah. people drawing people in maybe I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sort of curious you spoke about like just having this like absolute need to get out of that and to turn yeah. things around for yourself mm. like how did you do that because that's not easy and that's not like you can have all the motivation in the world but like you're going to need a lot more to get yourself out what else was at play for you? Um, I think I just got sick of it, you know? Like, um, I remember almost a turning point where it's a pretty unique one. Like, I, you know, I, I just was, a, I just experienced so much violence at home. Could never shut it off, you know? My sister's boyfriend at the time, his friends were around a lot and they were like pretty big you know, sort of in gangs in our area and they were at a house all the time. And just, it was just wild and like, you know, sometimes I'd go out with some of my friends that, you know, some of us were going through really rough times, but some of us weren't. And then you just see people and they like go home to their families, like, you know, like the part-time gangsters, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like they go home and like everything would be sweet, but... Um, I think I got sick of all of it. Like, I remember a time this kid started a fight with me and it was somebody that I probably, you know, easily would have just fought any time and, you know, significantly beat this guy. And I walked away, you know, and I just was over it. I was over it, overseeing it in my life all the time and I just walked away and I copped it so bad for that from everyone. Like, you know, they're like, oh, you're this and that, whatever. I can't believe you walked away from a fight, whatever. But, you know, a lot of it was from these part-time people that were just like, yeah, but bro, you go home to your family and it's all nice. Like, I don't I don't get to do that, you know? Mm. Like, and I just got over it. And, yeah. um and just started to make some changes in my life. But it took a long time, Megs, I think, mm. you know, because mm-hmm. I, I wore it a lot through my adult years, mm. like dealing with the trauma that I hadn't dealt with and all of that. So it was yeah. a real journey. So yep. it's like I had this turnaround point when I was younger, but it's almost like then I just had to learn how to be a human from from there or, or what, what, you know, you know, live a positive life. Mm. And it was pretty... It was pretty hard, but I had it in me, though. I think ever since I was a kid, I don't think I was a a bad kid. Like, I got into trouble and you could see me as a bad kid, but heart of hearts, like, I was a pretty soft and gentle kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, like, I'm going to just jump in there and say I don't think there's such a thing as a bad kid. No, no, that's (laughs) right. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. But you weren't hardened. You weren't hardened. Yeah, like, I don't think that I, you know, I I wasn't, but, Mm. you know, people would have maybe said that yeah yeah but the people that really knew me probably would know that I had this softer softer side yeah Um, yeah 
but I protected that, mm. you know, with this harder, harder exterior, which is just kind of bullshit, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. And then having to work all of that out. Mm. So um, it was a bit of a journey, I think. Yeah, and it's been an interesting journey knowing you for 13 years now as well. Sure. Like, I think just observing you grow and change and mm. learn. Like you said mm. at the start, like you love learning and you're yeah. really addicted to learning. Yeah. Um, and I think I can see, like, you're a very different person to who I met 13 years ago, mm. as we both are. Like, mm. it's, it's mm. amazing mm. to think mm. about 13 years ago to now. Mm. Um, and just like observing that change in you as well because mm. I do recall times where you know we've been we've seen each other go through hard times mm. Um, mm. and just like yeah I feel like you were quite a distressed person for a lot of the, the time that I knew you in the early years yes whereas yeah. like now the man sitting opposite me I feel like you know there's so much learning and growth there's so mm. many things you've applied in your life now as well like do you want to talk about some of the things you do now as a as an adult to sort of cope with your day-to-day and bring the best of yourself to the work that you do. Yeah, and first of all, thank you for saying that. It's such a nice thing to say and it's a, it's a nice uh, nice to feel acknowledged in that way because it is, it's, it's been a journey. It's been mm. a big journey. You're welcome. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, lots of things... Megs, I would say I we were talking a little bit earlier in the um, and um, you know uh, someone said to me oh you know that's you know, it's all good for you Shane mm. you've done the work yeah and I said correction brother doing the work yeah yeah um, we loved having this chat earlier we're actually yeah, both right. talking about how um, you don't stop doing the work yeah and young people need to see that we constantly are doing work and that we're not a fully formed adult that just woke up one day and got to walk out the door and can do everything the way we're doing it that's why i want to ask you this question yeah because from the outside looking in people would be like oh shane's got it together you know he just he gets up in the and goes and does this incredible work and he's like got it all together yeah yeah Yeah. definitely no it's it's um routine's a huge part of my life Mm -hmm. um and you know um i'm sort of wired to not follow routine <laughs> so <laughs> why to follow routine and why not to yeah, so it's a little like bit a... of both um so uh staying to a, a, a routine for me is really good and my routine um if i look at things that i constantly do uh every day i practice gratitude so mm. every single day so i harp on about the 311 yeah, yeah. do it every single day yeah for those right. listening at home, what's the three one one? Yeah, so it's writing down three things or reflecting on, however you do it, if it's writing, whatever. Um, three things that you're grateful for. Um, I like to look at gratitude as a is a as um, from multiple angles. So grateful for nice things that happen to your life in in your life. Grateful for things that you learn through even challenging experiences, even things that you might do that you don't agree with and you're learning from those there's gratitude in that so really looking at gratitude is a really flexible thing yeah um doing one thing for yourself to um to build to build your strength whatever that looks like physically mentally spiritually whatever it is um and one thing for somebody else um and you know i I usually try to keep that pretty simple so i do that every day yeah i do Uh, too because you gifted me the 311 journal that's great that's great i'm I'm really glad you're doing that that's good (laughs) and i've gifted it to other people as well so good so good so yeah we'll have a journal so if you if anyone's interested you can check out the journal um so i do my 311 um 
exercise is a huge part of my life. Boxing, we haven't mm. even talked heaps about boxing. No, it's here crazy. we go. Like, yeah. <laughs> so boxing is a huge part of my life. Yep. So um, I find a lot of mindfulness and in boxing. So I box about four times a week and then I try to keep three to four times a week and then yep. I try and keep varied exercise around that as well. So exercise is a really big part of my routine. Yep. Um, but then journaling. So, you know, I, I like to write. So mm-hmm. I... Um, I've got, oh, I can't remember the book, what it's called now, but it's like a book on stoicism where it gives you a daily reading to mm-hmm. reflect on. I read and I write. Um, so I write, um, you know, I'll read something, I'll read that that piece and then I, I write and reflect on what that means to me. Um, so I, I write, so just trying to keep that, that sort of learning alive. Um and then I'll do some short meditation, so I kind of keep my meditations nice and short. Uh, so, but these are things I do every day, like yeah. every day without fail. I'm not putting them out as advice to anyone. These are things that I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I keep my meditation varied, you know. Like yeah. I, I don't listen to the same thing every day. Um, but these are things that I have to do in order to be my best self for for myself, for my family for the people that I connect with in, in my work. Um, and especially when I connect with people that are experiencing hardship, if I'm talking to them about something mm. in particular, I want to be doing it, you know, like I don't yep. want to be talking about it and, and, uh, and, um, and not applying it in my own life. And I mean, and I encourage a lot of youth workers and social mm. workers to do the same thing, to have some parallel practices in their work that yep. they they're, they're they're doing some of the things that they talk about or they're asking people to do. You're setting, telling a young person to set a goal. Will you set a goal? You yeah, know? for sure. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But just the fact of working towards something and it being challenging, mm. it's, it's really obvious when you're speaking to somebody um, that you are about the work. You don't even need to say that you're doing it. It's just an energy you hold if you're, if you're, if you're on the quest to do something. Um, and I think young people especially are very intelligent to that like they can see whether you are somebody that does the work or or not um, that you speak of so I think that that's really really important so um, so I keep practices really real in my life Um, and I think a huge part of that which is probably something I I I definitely want to add is that I'm a father and I need to need to model in my life for my sons, you mm. know, and that's a really, really big deal to me um, that I don't tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, they see dad do this or they see dad do that. Yeah. Um, so I can work with them rather than go, you should do this or you should do that. They yeah. see that I live it and I can sit with them in their learning experience as well um, because they know that dad does it too. Yeah. So I think that that's really, really important. Um, and it's also just a massive part of, um, you know, my healing, I guess. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I feel like you've almost unlocked like what I think a key is to education in general, whether it's formal or informal. Right. But it's just if someone's going to be an educator in whatever sphere, which could be a parent um, mm. or a youth worker or anyone that's sort of like sharing knowledge with someone, mm. it's like, don't ask someone to do something that you're not doing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's just such a huge part of it. 
Um, but I think it's so key as well, just what you're modeling for your, your boys and for, you know, youth that you have worked with, practitioners that you work with now as well. Mm. Um, I'm just such a big fan of it where like, yeah, people just think that there's these epic people that are just like doing their day to day without having to do any work behind it. And like yeah. that comment that you heard recently where it was like, oh, you've done the work, you know, you've done yeah. it already. It's a, yeah. pro- it's such a process, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And when I say I do all these things, it's it's hard work, you know. Like it's not. Yeah. You know, I don't want anyone listening to this to think, oh, Shane just does all of this stuff. That's really great. And mm. like, no, it's a, it, yeah. I don't wake up wanting to do a lot of these things. You know, I find yeah. my best meditation is when I don't want to do it. Yeah. And when for I'm sure. super yeah. pumped, it's usually when my worst yeah, meditation yeah. comes out. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, for sure. So. I know that that's why yep. it's really, really important and um, and to be gentle with yourself and mm. to, to know, I think if anything, meditation um, really communicates is, um, is you have to be gentle with yourself because it's really not easy. I had a friend the other day just say to me, he goes, meditation doesn't work for me. And we, we have this relationship, but we, he goes, oh, meditation doesn't work for me. And I said, oh, how long have you tried it? He's like, oh, well, I did it for two months. And I'm like, well, bro, that's pretty good. You did it for two months. Um, but it's just been, it's been two months. So, you know, like if, if you, if you practice more of it, he's like, nah, it just doesn't work. Look, I think it's all, it's all bullshit. It doesn't work <laughs> anyway. And I said, so you go in, like, well, this is our joke. I'm like, you go in to a Shaolin temple and speak to Shaolin monks and say what you do is bullshit because <laughs> I tried it for two months and I reckon so we're just sort of saying that it's a yeah, process yeah. that it's like this this thing it's like you've got to get over humps in your life oh for sure and, you know that are, that, are, that are really tricky and I think that that's meditation but I think you can find that in anything oh you can you and know. I know before when you spoke about boxing you mentioned it as a mindful practice for you as yeah. well and I speak about it the same way yes like I even recently spoke about it as therapy for me like I was I kind of actually had this situation where my my coach was overseas I trained somewhere else mm-hmm. and I just wasn't feeling right like I was mm-hmm. trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and then I was like well what's the key to good therapy it's like the relationship with the therapist mm-hmm. and it just wasn't quite the right place and then when my coach came back it was like my therapist was back not that he ever has to like talk to yeah. me like do talk therapy but it's just the right environment for me to train and be really mindful and learn and grow um, yeah. like so what is it about boxing for you that really works um, I think it's uh, for me it's the challenge um, the really deep spiritual challenge for me mm. um, I don't do heaps of sparring you probably do a bit more sparring than I do because I do a lot of self training and all yeah. that so I'm kind of keen every time I get to the opportunity of someone that can spar because you got to in my gym you got to wait for the boxers to come in because <laughs> nobody wants to spar with a, someone that doesn't box because oh, they, they, do they see it like it's the fight of their lives or something like, yeah and that's when you're get throwing haymakers at you and you're like whoa man like yeah. all right like we're just chilling yeah yeah um, it's always the beginners that's the yeah. like hot tip if you take anything away from this podcast yeah. do not spar a beginner in no your gym. way no chance no chance <laughs> just like bro we're just we're just learning skills we're not trying to kill each other um uh I think it's the it's the it's the deep challenge for me that mm. um, that I think is really like I train um, probably much like you would you do um, you know uh, three minute rounds three minute on thirty seconds off and a lot of us are 
you know, if you're a little keen, um, you, you do something in your 30 seconds, yeah. you know, like yeah. if, if it's some kind of light, light activity or, or yeah, yeah. yeah, something along those lines in your 30 seconds. So there's a real challenge in it, which is why I kind of don't see it as a violent sport because mm. um, anger and um, <laughs> hatred for another person or whatever just won't work for you when you're 21 rounds in. Mm. you got to go way deeper than that. Yeah. And that's not in a fight, I'm saying in training. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you're sure. doing a hell of a lot of rounds. you got to find something a lot deeper, you know. So, you know, when people think of... Um, going to boxing and letting out anger. I don't mm. I don't feel anger when I go to no. a boxing gym or I don't feel like I'm letting out anger or I've got to get this release of anger out of me or anything. I find it a peaceful practice. Yeah, for sure. Um, I almost feel like I would be angry if I didn't box. Yeah, so it's not like I'm right. letting out anger, but I think I'd get pent up like... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It keeps me. It makes me a calm person. Like a lot of people don't get that I box. Like they think I'm too chill, too calm. Yeah. I'm like, you should see me if I don't box. Then I'm probably not going to be as chill <laughs> or calm. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, I, I find that. Yeah, I find that. That's probably the biggest thing. Is just finding that calmness. And, yeah. You know, finding that. What What's yours? Yeah, it's very similar, I think. Um, it's really ironic. Like, I used to, you know, I've, I've been into boxing for so long now. Mm. Um, and I was into it before I learnt a lot about, like, the regulation process with the brain and, like, how that can work with trauma. And as I started learning about that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm using boxing as, like, my pattern repetitive rhythmic activity, which is, like, a, a regulation strategy yep. to send a signal to yourself that you're safe. Because mm. um, there's so much pattern repetitive rhythmic activity in boxing. Yes. I was like, that's why I'm so addicted to it. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm right. regulating myself every time I train. I've never thought of yeah. it that way. Yeah, and then I'm wow. getting access to higher parts of my brain afterwards and I'm so calm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, now that I know the science behind all of that, I'm like, well, as if I wouldn't do it. Like, wow, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Wow, that's a really, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, you can find that. It doesn't have to be boxing, so I'm not here to promote everyone sure. training because yeah, it might not be yeah, for yeah. them. Yeah, but if you absolutely. can find anything that has a pattern, repetitive, rhythmic activity, mm. um, it's a regulation strategy because ultimately what we're looking for is, like, the repetition of a rhythm. Um, mm. that we had in the womb. So it starts mm. from when we're in the womb and we can hear our mother's heartbeat. Wow. And that's what regulates us and tells us we're safe. Um, and like when a baby like wants to be rocked, that's mm. the same thing. We're like rocking them so that they get that, that signal that they're safe. Um, being on swings, like bouncing a basketball, jumping on a trampoline, drumming, um, singing, dancing, like all these things like do the same kind of thing. Yeah, so, right. yeah, so someone who's experienced trauma, like they might have a lot of dysregulation and they need way more of this, mm. these signals that they're safe. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so it's this really interesting thing where I was like, well, I work in a trauma-affected space. I'm around it all the time. Um, it mm. makes sense that I'd want to regulate every day. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because I, um, I remember, because we both worked in out-of-home care spaces mm. and We've always tried to get boxing over the line in oh, out-of-home care. Yeah. It was so hard, right? Yeah, it yeah. Like it's a battle I've had every school I worked in. Yeah. But like, I fought it like it's worth the fight. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like, I get where they're coming from if you don't know boxing. Yeah, it yeah. It looks like this thing. Yeah. If you don't yeah. know what it is, it looks like this barbaric, everybody's fighting each other. Yeah, like, yeah. Brutal. And we're going to teach them the know, skills yeah, and then yeah. they're going to end up fighting all the time. That's right. Yeah. And it looks like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't tell you how many young people want to do, um, and I agree, just on the side note, it doesn't have to be boxing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
so many young people wanted to do boxing. They do. And they wanted to do boxing and you could never get them into doing it. I remember one kid, um, he was so hell-bent on doing it and uh, we I couldn't even do it. I couldn't do any pad work with him. Nothing, 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 nothing. Anyway, he turned 18 and he didn't have government orders or didn't have mm. anything. And, and uh, the first week of his 18th birthday, I, I brought the pads and I said, bro, you're 18, let's do boxing. And he's like, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we did the we did boxing and um, he'd never done anything before. And he got, uh, I think, um, six rounds or six or eight rounds out, which is incredible for somebody that starts, like oh, three minutes sure. on, 30 seconds off. Incredible yeah, yeah. effort. Um, people think that's a small moment, way too long. Like <laughs> you start, like, you know, that's a good yeah. effort. Um, and I remember him sitting there, like, panting and just, like, absolutely destroyed. And the first thing he said is, he said, Shane, it's like I'm not angry anymore. Mm. And I said to him, because you had to dig, dig deeper, didn't you, brother? And he's like, yeah, I had to dig a lot deeper. Mm. Like, and I feel like I'm feel calm he goes it's weird and I said yeah bro that's what it does so it's interesting you say that yeah he felt calm and he felt like this this thing and I just felt like I wanted to jump on top of the mountains and say to every person in out of home care that I'm like look I know it's only one person but this is what it does yeah if you go to a boxing gym you meet a whole bunch of non-violent people exactly like they're I won't say every single one, but but I tell you what, every, well, every that, single one I've stepped into has been non-violent. Yeah, for sure. Gym. And if there's I someone there, otherwise. if there's someone there that's kind of you know come in with the violent intention, they stand out pretty quickly, and the mm. coaches usually manage them out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they're great youth workers, boxing coaches. I think <laughs> yeah. they're incredible youth workers. Um, yeah. Um, they can connect with. I've always said that boxing coaches connect with young people incredibly because they can yeah. do that that deep work. They'll never tell you they're youth workers. They'll be like, what do you mean? This is just what I do. And I'm yeah. like, oh, you don't realise how incredible it is. It's um, true. So, yeah, it's um, I find that for sure. And um, I've definitely seen it in a lot of other people. And, um, you know, I just train in a little gym in, in, in Brunswick. It's, like, connected to a... Um, you know, weightlifting gym, Doherty's. Shout out to Doherty's. But, but it's got a beautiful boxing community there. Like, yeah. it really does. I trained like, with yeah. you there one time, yeah, remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you got that sense. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful little, like, yeah. nobody's, there's no egos in that place. You'd stand out, like, if you were, yeah. like, maybe in the weightlifting space. But I don't want to say everybody. Like, there's obviously some good people in that space, too. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got a beautiful little community there. But yeah, no, I find boxing really incredible, and um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, a for sure, really, really great thing. But like you said, anything rhythmic or mm. um, anything you can you can get into, um, yeah, uh, lots of different things that you could explore in in that space. Um, yeah, definitely. Anything that has that sense of energy about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm. so important. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything else you want to say about your work or anything like that? We're very, like we're getting towards the end, and I have a little activity for us to do at sure. the end. Okay. But I was just wondering, is there anything else you wanted to say about your current work that people should know about, like what you're sort of doing now? Because I know we kind of dived into your initial stages of youth work, talked about yeah. self determination theory, but we haven't really talked about like what it is you do day to day right now. Yeah. Right. I so I run a series of trainings. So I do a, a training called. I run a training called Digging Deeper, and it's coaching in complex and challenging environments. 
uh, uh, underpinned by self-determination theory. So, so um, it's really around how to build intrinsic motivation in young people in really, you know, tough environments. And um, we run training in in that space with a whole bunch of you know tools that support it. And uh, I'm proud to say that's widely practiced around, you know, from council youth work all the way to maximum security prisons now so i'm really proud of that it's yeah, really awesome. embedded in a yeah. lot of spaces um and then we run frontline resilience training as well which is about um building resilience based skills in again complex and challenging environments so it's almost like the coaching is the practice, the practi- the frontline resilience is going back to the practitioner, like yeah. who's the person yeah. and um, how do you not just look after yourself but build strong, um, deep, embedded skills of resilience in your, yeah, in your work. Um, so I run those two trainings, uh, a little bit of one-to-one coaching, um, a service design which i'm very passionate about um which is embedding all of these things in day-to-day service yeah awesome so you know the tools that we're using the paperwork you know all the way to referral forms like how we're speaking about people and balancing stories so we're learning about not just what's uh what's um you know, I like to sort of say what keeps them safe instead of what's wrong with them. Um, mm, you know, I yeah, think it's like a lot that. more important to understand what keeps them safe. Yeah, And then sure. the other side of it, you know, sometimes what keeps them safe and what keeps other people safe. Yeah. But there needs to be another um, massive side of it, which is the deep exploration of strengths. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sick of seeing referral forms that are what's wrong, what's wrong, mm. and then there's like one box that says strengths. Mm. You know, and there's no unpacking of strengths and having a, a um, an idea, and not even just strengths, but potential. Mm, you know, like definitely. there's no unpacking of where that potential lies, which is any great youth worker or social worker knows that's where the gold is. Yeah, um, yeah. is the gritty work of building potential, and it is gritty. Um, you've got to get down in the trenches to work in building potential um, with people. Um, so we do a lot of service design work. So um, I'm, I have to say, and I'm not just saying this, I don't know if I've just lucked out, but I've got incredible partners and clients. I really do. I know I'm not just trying to give a plug. I really, I no, feel like do. I've lucked out. Yeah, I've lucked out. Yeah. They're great to work with. I've working with um, Quantum in um, Gippsland. We've been doing heaps of service design and training across their teams. They're an incredible organisation. Um, Anchor who Anchor as well, who are um, incredible. They're doing lots of uh, massive changes in their organisation and in um, embedding that. Um, Vacro, um, mm-hmm. I could keep going on, but yeah, there's yeah. been some really, really great, um, uh, great services um, both in training and um, and in service design. Yeah, so, awesome. Um, I feel like I'm proud of the work, but I'm really proud of them too for stepping to this work because it's um, it's really really um, uh, it's paying off. And the beautiful part about it is just hearing all of the incredible stories of was, changing yeah. young people's lives, and yeah. um, which is why we do what we do, right? Mm. Like you go in for paychecks, but like money, like is in paychecks to pay your bills. But that's not, not why we're here. Yeah. Like that's you know that pays the bills, but like 
um, tell me a story of how it's changed somebody's mm. life. It's better than any paycheck I've ever received. Yeah, you know? sure. Like, um, yeah. I can never get enough of that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so that's probably the majority of my work um, leads in those. And then consultancy, we're just in a range of different spaces. Um, I'm working actually with um, New South Wales Ju- Department of Justice and Y Foundations and building a training around... Um, uh, young people using violence in the home, mm. um, building strengths-based and coaching models and self-determination models is a to combat um, typical behavioural-based um, therapies. So, yeah. um, so embedding all of that work in there. So, I'm really, really proud of doing this work. I'm, I said I went a little light in with the work, but I am unbelievably passionate mm. um, to do this day to day, and of I feel really fortunate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's 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 me. That's what I do. And I, I sorry, I've left some of my some of the partners that I'm working with <laughs> out. But like, oh god, be um, honoured if they're listening to the podcast. Yeah, no, it's there. No, well, you I'll stop it right now. <laughs> People are going to be listening to this for sure. You, you're incredible. You're incredible. And I'm so glad you're out doing what you're doing as well. Oh, thanks, Megs. man. It's really great. We always. We had big talks about that. Yeah, yeah. That transition. And yeah, it um, took me a, a little while, but we got there. Yeah, yeah. but I think um, there needs to be people people like yourself in, in the sector doing the incredible work that you're doing. So I'm so well, this glad This is like a big love fest. It. No, it's really, I'm really serious. I, I'm yeah, like, I've, yeah. I've said it to you on the podcast, off the podcast, you know, like it's incredible that you, you know, you're doing what you're doing because it is a big... Big jump. It was a big jump. Yeah, yeah. it's an interesting thing because I know when you started, it was almost by chance for you. It was like you were made redundant. Yes. COVID started and you're like, Two weeks out. later. Yeah, you're like, I've just got to do this thing, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas for me, I was like, oh, no, COVID started. I can't leave my school now. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I was like, I can't yeah. leave these kids and these, these staff. And I kind of rode out the, the COVID waves before I, I chose to finally take the jump. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I just remember that starting phase, you know, of that interesting time. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. It was a weird... It was a funny time to start a business. Yeah. People were just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, and I'm like I have no idea. Yeah, look, there's no rules now. I, but I know what I, I want to achieve, yeah. I think. Yeah, but um, you should be really proud. Yeah. It's come so far in such Thank a short you. amount of time. And you Thank do, you. you're doing very impactful work. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks so very grateful you're in the space as well. Thank you. Yeah. So to end, like we just have a little bit of time left together. Sure. Um, but I'm going to ask each guest like the same five questions to close off the podcast. Okay. And I love that you haven't heard the end of the first episode yet. No, I haven't. <laughs> so you so don't know I the questions. No idea. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, the whole thing is you've got to go with your gut answer. So okay. like just like quick answer, whatever comes up. Oh, God. These are, these are it's tough, pressure. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. All right. Cool. So number one, what did you want to be as a kid? Oh God! I don't, I, when you say gut answer, I don't. Jeez, um, <laughs> what did I want to be as a kid? Oh, yeah, basketball player. Oh, NBA, interesting. NBA. I wanted to play NBA. Interesting. Yeah. Um, number two. What are your two top values? You can only choose two. Gratitude and wisdom. Oh, I love that. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're gonna love this question. <laughs> number three. If you were going to have a boxing fight. What would be your walkout song? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I feel like this is so unfair to be like, God, answer real quick. Oh, jeez. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, you know what's really rough with this is I'm I'm such a massive fan of music, and I'm, it's such a massive part of my life. 
and, and boxing. Then I, and boxing. <laughs> and then when I get asked this, I just go, <laughs> I just, um, I crumble. Oh, can I come back to it? Look, there's no rules here, so you can. Yeah, and I'll come back to it with the same awkwardness. Of not knowing, yeah, <laughs> we'll try again in a couple yeah, of okay. minutes. Yep. He's taking a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> it's really getting people to squirm I almost want to question. look at my Spotify and be like, what am I going to do? Like... <laughs> Um, look, I had an advantage, you know. I had I had a couple of weeks to think about yeah. mine. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Gangster's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number four. If you could collaborate with anyone in your work, so it could be dead or alive, who would it be? So you could create something with them, you could run a workshop with them, you could record a podcast with them. Who would it be? Mm. Alan Watts. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Did you want to elaborate or <laughs> um, like what would you want to work on with Alan Watts? I think he was the first philosopher that I followed. Like I think mm. he's probably like wildly well known, mm. um, but he was the first, he was my entry into thinking philosophically Yeah. Um, and, uh, and thinking just differently. And I just know that he's affected a few of my close friends' lives as well. And so... Um, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Cool. Um, number five, if you could make one recommendation as the key for everyone to take towards healing, what would it be? So one step that every person could take towards healing. Gratitude. Mm, yeah. Gratitude, for sure. Yeah. I think that um, uh, s- spotting things that in your experience that you can be grateful for yeah um if you have a tough day and you've got a full anxiety filled day and you know that 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 breeze hits your face for 10 seconds and it feels good capture it yeah you know like um even if you eat something delicious capture it Mm. if you 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 fuck something up and you and you learn from that capture that learning you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, there's it's just such a um, um, it's such an adaptable practice for wherever people are at. So yeah, um, we, I've got people doing that. We just did some training. They're doing in maximum security prisons. So I'm like, if people can do gratitude in maximum security prisons, yeah, we can do it. I'm so glad you highlighted it the way you did as well. Mm. So a lot of people think gratitude is like this really big thing where it has to be something big and amazing happens no. to you and that's what you're no. grateful for. Because um, a lot of the research is actually a little bit tricky around gratitude. Mm. So um, like a lot of, yeah, because they think it's got to be this big thing where you've mm. got to like write a letter to someone who did something amazing for you and express it in this huge way. Mm. Um, but what you're talking about is really capturing the little positive moments yeah. Um, and really, you know, just like letting, like letting them linger and like celebrating them a little bit longer, noticing them, looking for them. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I'm, and I wrote one the other day that was like, um, it's the playoffs at the moment in the NBA and yeah, Boston yeah. Celtics won and I was fucking grateful. Like <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wrote it. I didn't care. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. because it, like it's capturing anything yeah, that yeah. You, you've got. But, it, but I think it's, it has a, um, if you practice it, it has a massive effect on your life. It changed my life yep. in incredible yep. ways. And and I started gratitude without believing it. 
Mm, yeah. So I started. I did yeah. a fake it till you make it gratitude until yeah. I started looking for it because yeah. you don't look for it at the start. You just no. start writing things and whatever. And I think a lot of people have got to go through that. Yeah. Like you know, you don't have to be this. Oh, maybe I'm not that grateful as a human being. Cool. Then don't be at the start. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. do a bit of fake it till you make it till you start spotting things. Yeah, and then for you start sure. looking for things and um, and now it you know it. I think that practice of it changed me. If you said 13 years ago when we met, mm. I would have said, life's shit. I'm, you know, depressed as anything. I, um, you know, I'm at the bottom of the bottom um, can be. This practice of gratitude um, single-handedly changed that. Yeah. Um, to, to now, I'm like, life's incredible. Great things happen mm. to me in my life. Challenging things happen to me in my life. Yep hard shit like I get all of those kind of things but because of this practice every single day and I since learned that it's like a massive part of you know um, people um, experiencing addiction mm. and things like that they're, mm. they're ways out of addiction gratitude's a massive part it's very powerful it is really powerful it's tricky to capture in research I reckon though. yeah I think like some of the research it's just interesting like mm. in the post psych research yeah um, like sometimes they're like oh you know for someone who's suffering se- severe depression gratitude can be triggering for them it's like yeah. well I think what they're missing here is it's actually like what went well or what are the little good things you know that happen in the day because there is positive in every person's day there is. is. Yeah. You've got to look for it. Sometimes you've got to look for it real deep. Yeah, you, you do. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, it can be like you can have the worst look outlook and still see. Exactly. Still see things. Um, yeah. But it's it's the practice of it. You it is. You start slow. Exactly. Like, yeah. If you're in a shit sitch, you might just need to eat shit for a yeah, bit yeah, while you're doing sure. it. Like it's not. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of idea of magic pill. It just doesn't exist. No. You know, like um, you've got to, you've got to put that work in, and um, and it's okay to feel pain through that work. You, you know, like yeah, yeah. It's, so not just you've got to, you know, get gritty and go out and do it. It's not that. It's just you, you've got to feel pain through mm. through doing the work and and um, and failure and. Mm. And experience failure is a healthy thing. Exactly. Um, it's like one of the best resources. Failure is one of the best resources and the most direct resources for growth. Mm. It tells you exactly what you 100%. need to be doing. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But the problem is we see failure as this big bad thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I fucked up. I, I, I fucked up here or I, I didn't do it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just turning that around yeah, and saying, saying it as a yeah, lesson. feel like shit. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But there's a lesson in this. Um, there is something I did want to share in that. I kind of, one thing that I learned, and it was from um, uh, probably another person I wouldn't mind um, <laughs> collaborating with would be Victor Frankl. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. but one of the things that he wrote is like, and I'll probably mess the quote up, but um, it's not about us questioning um, life. It's about life questioning us mm. and us responding with the right answers to life. So, mm. we, but that's right action, right? So the the shit that's thrown at you, if you want to do things, I say this to people coming out of the prison system all the time. If you want to do things real bad, the first thing life will throw at you is the shit. Mm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. it, because you want it, it yeah. throws that at you because it's throwing those questions at you mm. because they're the things you need. 
to overcome to get the things that you want. So, of course, it'll throw you that. It won't throw you good things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll yeah. throw you the tough stuff because they're the, the skills you need to build around and get around that. Like, the obstacle is the way, that stoic saying. Of, yeah. Um, I think Marcus Aurelius originally said it, but that whole idea of, of, of building that... Um, uh, having that understanding that life questions us mm. all the time and, um, you know, that's how we respond. And I think you can respond through gratitude. Yeah, that's really powerful. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's all right. I've still got to think of this song. Don't well, I? we're back to there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I'm going to pull out my Spotify. Um, this is really like not a gut feeling answer. No, it's not a gut feeling because I don't know. I can't think of a song. Um, what about when you're training? Like you know, all these times you've trained, you know, is there a song that's come on where you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, probably <laughs> like, I'm, but I'm bad with names of songs. Spotify's right, so, back out. Yeah, so Spotify's back out. Like, because <laughs> I can't think of, this is, whenever someone asks me about music, I just think, you know what? It's pretty sick. It's pretty gangster, but um, you're talking to the girl who had gangsters. Paradise. Yeah, but, but pop smoke um, got it on me. It's pretty gangster. Oh, yeah. It's like it's a pretty good walkout song. It's a bit of a cover song, but it's um, it's uh, yeah. I always think, man, that'd be pretty sick to come out. I almost my friend was gonna have a fight recently, and I was like trying to coerce him into getting this song like bro <laughs> i'm not fighting so you gotta take this <laughs> but he yeah, didn't end up fighting yeah um but i really wanted him just for this walkout song it would have been sick whether he won or lost you know it'd be yeah. sick to walk out to it but yeah probably got it on me we got there yeah. yeah awesome yeah, cool. well done you got there thanks mate so shane um if people want to get in contact with you you want to find out more about what you do how yeah. will they find you uh, so my website is www.woundsandwisdom, so wound, like as in a wound, woundsandwisdom.life. So that's all my, um, uh, that's got all my services, it's got everything on there. It's even got my story, so if you want to read into a little bit about my story and what led me here. Um, LinkedIn's probably one of my big ones. So yeah, LinkedIn, you're pretty famous so on LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, someone said that to me the other day. They're like, oh, you're famous on LinkedIn. I'm like, is that cool? I don't know. That's cool. Um, um, but LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Shane Hood, so Shane with a Y. Um, uh, I'm starting to try and get active on my, um, on my Instagram. So if you just look up Shane Hood on on Instagram starting to get active. I'm pretty hopeless on Facebook, but they're all the spots that you can get me. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank Amazing you, chat. Mates. Thanks so much, Meeks. Thanks for having me. And this is a great thing that you're doing. I'm, um, I'm really honored to be the second guest. So really, really cool. So thank you so much. No problem at all. Couldn't pick anyone better. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Thank you, wonderful listeners, for making it right to the end of the podcast. We appreciate you. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe, give us a rating. We'll be dropping a new episode roughly once per fortnight, so you can stay tuned for the next one. Thank you.